What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Real Talk with Rob and Shane. I'm Shane. I'm Robbie. And as always, we're brought to you by GimmicksInc.com. You can find us there. You can also find us on your favorite social media outlet by searching Gimmicks Inc. You can also find our fan page for Real Talk on Facebook. So, today, Rob, I would like you to tell me in your memory... Only the positive things you can remember about your mother. <laughs> I'm not a replicant, Shane. <laughs> I know what you're getting at. <laughs> so, uh, if you can't guess by that lead-in, we are going to talk about Blade Runner and things involving Harrison Ford. <laughs> so, um, what's been going on, man? Eh, same old, same old. Working nonstop. <sighs> but hopefully that's coming to an end soon. I'm just gonna. Not, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like the working nonstop. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. The working nonstop. I can't but. deal with another good brother uh, without a paycheck. <laughs> it's been it's been a plague among the good brothers here recently. So, nah. My problem is I just can't get any time off. That is, yeah, yeah. You took all our <laughs> took all the work from <laughs> everybody else. Jerk bag. <laughs> Still like the whole forty eight hour. Yeah. <laughs> podcast joke. <laughs> You did a Nick Nolte in overtime. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, finally, uh, started catching up on some stuff, reading a few comics, cool, and you know, trying to figure out what Blu-rays I wanted to buy and stuff like that. Yeah, you've been buying all the Blu-rays, <clears throat> including that one that uh, I wasn't too happy about earlier today. Oh, you mean Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. 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 Well, you think that one's bad? Take a look at this. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. You hit me with a Valerian still book. I go out and buy that. Why? <laughs> Just for that reaction. <laughs> so you spent $30. No, no, get... no. This is regular price, dude. It's like 17 bucks. And I have them all, so why not? Damn it. I'm just <laughs> for those of you, since it's an auditory, you know, an audio, audio podcast, um... Rob just slacks da- slams down uh, a still book of Transformers: The Last Night. <laughs> Which what was your official review of that movie? Uh, stupid fucking movie. <laughs> it looks cool. <laughs> you son of a yes. Bitch. God, what? You're never going to watch that again. You are never going to watch that again. I hope that you bought it for a joke, and then tomorrow when we go out and hang out, you're taking it back to Best Buy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I didn't think about that. I don't hope that's what's going to happen. <laughs> You're the second person I know that's bought that fucking movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And you have no excuse because at least the other instance, a five-year-old wanted to watch it. <laughs> so... Well, I mean, Barricade did finally show back up in this oh, movie. God. <laughs> so did 45 minutes of extra plot. <laughs> is that what Barricade is? 45 minutes of plot? Is that what he transforms into? God, Does that so. transform into a better movie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's probably the extended edition. Well, at least the best part. Three of the- <laughs> more introductions to that one woman's character. At least the best part of the movie is actually still in the back. Uh, <laughs> Good old Anthony Hopkins. I don't know. Optimus looks kind of cool. And I'm not going to lie. It's a nice looking still book. Yeah. Is it one of the pop art ones? 
No, no. it's not. It's actually um, when Age of Extinction came out. Uh-huh. This one kind of matches that style. This is the okay. first run. See, of I have books. Age of Extinction. Yeah. Steelbook. This isn't like based off the reissued artwork. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I kind of like it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a nice looking piece of metal. <laughs> Maybe it's made out of a transformer. The um, it's what's inside of it <laughs> that counts. <laughs> Why do you do this? Because I was just looking at your movie collection the other day. Mm. It's one of those weird things. I have no idea why I do it. But every time I come over here, even though you really haven't gotten new stuff, I have to examine your movie shelf and I have to look at all your toys. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to do it. I don't know what makes me do it, (laughs) but I have to do it. And I saw yet again that you own Fantastic Four. Mm. Why do you buy shitty movies? I don't know. <laughs> Why would somebody do that to themselves? <laughs> well, see, I was on that run for a while where I was like... <laughs> Nashville Hot TV, <laughs> Steelbook, <laughs> Apartment Bullshit. <laughs> no, I was on the run there for a while. I was going to track down every comic book movie. Right. And even the bad ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I did get that one, but I, I still have not watched that movie. Good. After you wrote that review of it. God, like, it was bad. I think I even resurrected my old website to write that review. The one I hadn't used in like four years at that (laughs) point. You did. God. (laughs) Speaking of resurrecting old websites, um, we've got another little kind of special thing that I don't know if it'll be out by the time that this episode drops. We're doing a few of them this weekend, so I don't know what all is coming out in what order. But um, if you've been following us since the old school days... (laughs) Kick out it too is going to make a return. Yeah, uh, we we kind of molded it. We're moving it a little bit from a blog to it's going to be our wrestling talk podcast, basically. So that's something to look out for. Yeah, I mean that thing popped up on Facebook the other day. It said we'd been doing it for like five years, which really it's been like a couple of years with a lot of time off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I figured it would be neat to do that as a podcast, especially like the it. first idea we have. Yeah, I mean, this was originally kind of what the idea was all supposed to spawn into anyway, to where Gimmicks Inc. was going to be kind of a one-stop shop for all the stuff that we do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm happy to bring Kick Out It 2 into that fold. So, pretty excited about it. Anything you want to talk about? Uh, Did you notice the other day that Hulu added the old TGIF lineup from when we were kids? Yeah, I did not. That's pretty cool. Um, Apparently, they... um, and is there an option to where I can watch those four <laughs> shows in that order? You want it with the uh, the same way you booked the WWE Network last Pretty time. Much, yeah, I just wanted on Friday, I want to sit down at 8 o'clock and have Family Matters. 8.30, have Step by Step. <laughs> or have it, where, have it blocked where you can't watch it if it's not Friday. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. But no, uh, they added a lot, actually. They added um, Perfect Strangers, uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, hmm. Dinosaurs. That was a Tuesday show. Well, <laughs> no, it was on Friday uh, there for a little bit. Oh, okay. I always remember it on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, step by step. Right. Home Improvement. Full House. Another Wednesday. Home Improvement was Wednesday. Full House, Boy Meets World, and Family Matters all got added. I'm for that. So I'm for that. That's pretty cool. I was like, <clears throat> I saw it pop up on, I can't remember what website, and I was reading into it. And a weird little side note also is the house that they use in the opening of Family Matters. Mm-hmm. Is actually getting torn down. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It's like, I guess the people are going to turn it into a condo. 
Oh, gotcha. But uh, they were talking about how, like, the main office, they were going to put a frame picture of the house uh, cool. with all the, the characters from oh, the show cool. actually as, like, family members framed. I was like, ah, that's pretty neat. Including the one daughter that just disappeared after a couple of seasons. I think her picture's hanging up in the post office. <laughs> <laughs> Steve just made that character go away completely and they just like that was a science experiment that failed somewhere and mm. uh, the bad thing is i was sitting there thinking you were talking i was like oh boy meets world and there's part of me that was like oh man i want to check that out see some old school topanga action i was like i'm 35 <laughs> and that character would roughly be about 20 years younger than me so accidentally creepy as fuck <laughs> well i mean she grew up too shane <laughs> Yeah, but I need to look up that part. She actually did a... um, She was in a National Lampoon movie. Like, after a while, when National Lampoon just started making, like, direct-to-Cinemax bullshit, Uh um, I can't remember what it is, like, the name of the movie or anything. I could just look it up by looking up Danielle Fischel, I guess. Hmm. But she did a movie to where she's scantily clad through most of it. Like... Don't you say those things. Don't you say those things unless they're true, Shane. <laughs> no, I know it happened. I'm uh, looking at it. IMDB is starting. And I know damn well you ain't going to try to make me look at an ad for Inhumans. Oh, man. Don't even talk about that, apparently. Oh, that's terrible. Did like, you watch it? No, I ain't watched it. I don't <laughs> do that to myself. Get your ass caper saying something <laughs> like that. I mean, I just I didn't want to watch it to begin with. I'm not a big Inhumans fan. See? I've never cared, but I saw, and a lot of people said it, but, um, dorm days mm. is apparently, apparently there's two of them and Tatiana's Tatiana Ali's in it as well. For some reason, I might have to look this up, <laughs> but, um, no, I saw the ad for it, like the first pictures and it looked like bad Halloween costumes. Yeah. It, dude, you know what it looked like? It looked like they were trying to take the X-Men movies that are terrible Mm -hmm. and mix them with the MCU that is successful. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm, you gotta do, you gotta pick one or the other, man. It's like you got one foot in one world and one foot in the other. I was like, hmm. Yeah, it just did not. And apparently like they canceled that show within like two episodes. And it sucks too because I went, like I've been, I've done everything Marvel's done. Like I've been with them, like as the road has been created, I've been driving down it, but... I don't know, man. That may no, be a detour I'm not going to take. Yeah, you know what? I mean, that road is actually leading to a bridge that's out. So, See, and it's really a thin, a small road, so it's like you can't back up when you're down there. So you'd have to reverse the whole way back out to the main road. You mm-hmm. don't want to do that. And so that's the other thing, too, with Marvel. It's kind of like, with me, they have done such a good job at introducing me to characters that I mm-hmm. didn't think I would like. But this one, man, it's just, I do not have a good feeling about it at all. Well, I mean, there's no reason to watch it. It's it's awful. Don't watch it. All right. So we both, within the last 24 hours, have watched both Blade Runner movies. And five of those hours consisted of being in the Blade Runner world. (laughs) Yeah. So, um... Now, I know that this is one that, like, you just saw Blade Runner for the first time. Yep. Today. Yeah, the first one was first time viewing, so right. just out the gate. So, I'm going to guess, like, probably another one of those you knew a little bit about it from pop culture. Mm-hmm. 
stuff like that, but yeah, pretty much like that. And just every time I, there's so many Harrison Ford movies I need to watch. Right. Like there's just so many of them. Cause I was stuck just watching star Wars and Crystal Indiana Jones. Skull. No, man. <laughs> we already had that talk today with the random lady at the store <laughs> trying to make me watch that. That's so funny. We got, we stop at Goodwill. And we find the Indiana Jones trilogy on VHS. So Rob picks them up for uh, one of our friends, the only person with a working VCR <laughs> that I know. And we go to pay for them. And the lady's like, oh, not bad. Three of the four of them. Rob's like, we don't talk about that fourth one. Like, I, it took me a moment, too. Like, I was like... I was like mad. I was like, stupid lady. She doesn't even know that there's only three Indiana Jones movies. I was like, oh, wait, no. I guess I'm the stupid one. There was a fourth movie. <laughs> but are you the stupid one? Well, uh, you owe somebody a drink. Well, you owe me one last time, so we just canceled it. That was my text message. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> Had to let good brother know what was going on. <laughs> But yeah, it was like so many other Harrison Ford movies I just have not seen right. that I want to. Or I've seen bits and pieces of them. And that's another thing. When I say I haven't seen a movie, sometimes I've seen bits and pieces yeah. of it. I just haven't sat down and watched the whole thing. Me too. I'll say something like I haven't seen it before because it's like, or at times with movies, because it may be an instance to where I've seen it, but it literally was like 30 years ago. Yeah. So I might as well have said I haven't seen it. Or it's been so long you don't want to. Give your overview of the movie yeah. because you I may don't not remember, remember it correctly. And that so. was in some ways with Blade Runner. Like, honestly, I hadn't seen Blade Runner since high school. Well, there's like 97 cuts. That was one of the weird things. Yeah. And I owned... At one point, I owned every cut. Really? Yeah, because the 20th anniversary DVD, I think. Uh-huh. Was that the one that came in the briefcase? No, it was the one that came in the... Uh, garbage old remember the old shitty cardboard warner brothers mm. dvd cases yeah the snappers it came in that and it had um it had the theatrical cut and the director's cut oh, okay and then the one that was in the briefcase was actually the final cut okay well that's the one but I it watched. came with like the briefcase actually had every cut of the movie on it so okay. it had the directors the theatrical the what they called the work print cut, which mm. was basically all the footage that he shot laid oh, okay. out, and then the final cut. Gotcha. So yeah, the final cut. Really, Scott has said like the final cut, and th- that's his definitive version. Mm. And it's basically because the th- studio mucked around with the theatrical cut. It had a lot of uh, voiceover from Harrison Ford. And it was one of those things where apparently it sounded like Harrison Ford was bored and doing it from like his hotel room. Really? Yeah, it's not. It's like the most uninterested voiceover. And Scott hated that, but the studio felt that nobody was going to understand what the hell was going on if Harrison Ford didn't explain the movie to them. Mm. So after a while, they come out with a director's cut, but Ridley Scott didn't cut it the studio what? just said it was the director's <laughs> cut and released it but it was not ridley scott's cut that's stupid so they <laughs> finally brought him in to actually let him have his director's cut and that's the final cut okay so that was one like i knew as i was getting really into sci-fi like i watched it back in high school uh-huh. 
In college, I bought, I remember going to Books a Million one day when it was over in the old Walmart plaza where the Halloween store is now. Mm-hmm. And they had it on tape, on cassette tape for, I don't know, maybe $5. Mm-hmm. And I bought it and listened to it a couple times. It was like Matthew Modine and Callista Flockhart doing the voices. <laughs> And so I had read, you know, that's how I read the book. And mm-hmm. the book is completely different really? than the movie. Um, the fact that there's androids and Deckard hunts them. That's pretty much it. Really? Like, they go into a lot more stuff. Um, there's this whole side plot with, like, their religion that they have in this universe. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about Philip K. Dick movies. Philip K. Dick is not that great of a writer. He's like this celebrated sci-fi writer. I've never read anything of his stuff that I've actually been like, that's pretty good. Hmm. It's almost all, to me, it's like, it's weird. And it seems like people take his ideas make them and better. make better movies out of them. So it's opposite of Stephen King? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> I think because like... Philip K. Dick stuff is Total Recall, Blade Runner, mm-hmm. Minority Report. Um, and I know I'm missing about 10 or 15 of them. Here, okay. But, you know, it always seems like people do his stuff better than he did. So, you know, I'd done that. And it was just always one of those things that I liked as far as, like, kind of looking at it, cinema and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of always go back to that world. And I like things about both the book and the movie. Uh-huh. And there's things that I think would be kind of cool if they had from the movie or from the book in the movie, but you'd almost have to do like a game of Thrones type thing. To oh, okay. Get that. Like it just didn't fit in a two hour movie or like this new one, a nine and a half hour movie. <laughs> so I did ask you earlier, your thoughts on blade runner. And then I was like, we're, we have a podcast where we're going to talk about this. Why are we <laughs> talking about this? Just sitting on the couch. Right. So, first time ever seeing it, 30-year-old movie, 35-year-old movie. Yeah. Because it came out in 82. Um, Thoughts? Like like I said, first thing I said was appreciative of the movie. Because you could tell that that movie definitely set the bar for, like, special effects Mm -hmm. and, uh, like, Everything's practical in that. Yeah. But I did notice, like, as far as... It seemed like there was a little bit of, like, you know... Uh, Star Wars and Aliens where they went back in on the final cut and they made things look pretty. It's a lot of it's just kind of cleaning up the matte paintings. Because it looked different. Like there's parts of the movie that did look different but not dramatically different. I could tell it. I could tell certain scenes were not in the original just the way they looked. Right. But uh, yeah, I thought that it was kind of cool. I could definitely see why it became a cold classic. Mm Because like I said, it influenced a lot of stuff it looked like. And as far as watching the final cut, I'm glad that that's the one that I watched. Yeah. Because I know for years I'd actually kind of wanted to watch the movie, and I just did not know which version of the movie to watch. That like kind of remember when I jumped into Aliens, I asked you, I'm like, yeah, which like, Aliens? How am I supposed to watch this? Yeah. You know, theatrical extended. What the hell do I need to watch the first go through? It's sad that you got to do that with Ridley Scott movies. Like, which version of this do I yeah, watch? That's true. And like, is there a director's cut? And and the weird thing is with Alien, the director's cut is not the one to watch. Yeah, and the second one, right? Yeah, the second one. Yeah, aliens cut. watch the director's cut. Yeah, but um, I liked it for what it was, and 
like I liked the world. Mm-hmm. I liked what they thought their vision of the future was going to be. Like everything was still like their technology was like analog based, but it was yeah. like a like stepped up version of yeah. like analog stuff. I was like, like that's one pretty of the things cool. That definitely makes me think like that. Like, and I love the scene when he puts the picture mm. into that machine and is zooming into it, and it's able to move almost like around corners yeah. when he's zooming into it. But it's still an analog machine mm-hmm. but you know he's controlling it through his voice and stuff like that like i thought that was really cool. so he must have done harrison must have done this like right after empire then right yeah okay but yeah it was kind of cool seeing him like you know like love him as han and Andy. Mm-hmm. so i was like i don't know why i never watched the movie right like it was i know like growing up i probably wouldn't have been allowed to watch that movie <laughs> Oh, gotcha. like, like it just seems like one of those that my mom or grandma would be like, I don't know, this is kind of out there for you, which I don't know. Like I said, I'm glad I waited and I'm glad that the final cut was the one I got yeah. to watch the first time. So, and I think like seeing it around our age and I like even watching it again last night, I got a deeper appreciation of the movie than I had mm-hmm. when I was saw it in high school. Well, see, it's funny because like you said that and you asked me what my initial thoughts were. I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. But mm-hmm. after we saw the new one, I appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. So, see, that's my thing. Like, it's to me, it's very funny because I almost did it tonight. I love the world of Blade Runner, mm-hmm. like I said, especially the world. Like, I love the look of it, the cinematography, the feeling of it. Like, it's an amazing world to spend a couple hours in. The only reason I've only seen that movie since. Mm-hmm. Or haven't watched that movie since high school. It's because I fall asleep every time I try to watch it. <laughs> I've seen a few people actually talk about that on Facebook recently. It's so much of it, like there's a really cool, there's a feature length. Like there's a two hour making of mm-hmm. called Dangerous Days. And it's on the um, Final Cut DVD. It didn't make it over to the single disc Blu-ray. But it took me four times trying to watch that documentary about the making of the movie, I just kept falling asleep because its pacing is very drawn out mm-hmm. and it does move slow and takes its time getting to where it's trying to go. Right. But I love the look of it. I love the cinematography. I love the feeling of the world. You can definitely tell that it influenced so much of sci-fi. I mean, it's definitely an eighties movie. Yeah. Like, it just has that. And that's even talking about pacing. A lot of movies in the 80s had that type of pacing. And, like, it's not really even an action movie of anything. Like, the way that I've heard it described, and I love this, is it's a future noir. Yeah, I've heard that too. You know, so, and it very is. It's a Sam Spade detective movie Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So was the new one. Mm -hmm. But it just happens to take place in the future instead of the 1930s. Yeah. And I like that. One thing I really noticed this watch through, and Eva got talking about it last night, um, Deckard is really not a good guy. No. In this movie. Like, <laughs> it was during the scene where Rachel's trying to leave his apartment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I was like, Harrison Ford getting a little rapey in this movie. Yeah, that's like almost just uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> it was. Because, like, you don't have this, like, you don't understand whether it's, is she apprehensive about being with him? Or mm-hmm. is, like, 
Like the stuff he's having her say, is she only saying it because he won't let her out of the house? Or does she want to say it? Yeah, it's weird. Like it gives off this very weird vibe. And it almost to me came across this part of like, this is a guy who spends his entire time killing robots. Mm. He's not supposed to have empathy for the robots. It almost like at that point, he's like, no, you're a robot. And I'm going to do what I need to do with this robot. Uh, I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, man, just uncomfortable. Got even more uncomfortable. And it's very interesting to where even when you go into the finale, he's being chased through the finale. Like the whole last act is not him being a hero. Mm -hmm. He's running away from the antagonist. Yeah. So much so the antagonist actually has to save him. Yeah, that's true. So it almost is this weird thing to where it's like, I can't say that Deckard is the hero of this movie. Well, that's kind of like, you've seen that in other movies too, with the whole, anything that does with a, like that has to deal with AI. Mm -hmm. It's like, does it have a soul? Is it an actual living being? Things like that. So you've seen that a lot too in other movies Mm -hmm. with the conflict of, you know, do we kill this thing? Do we let it live, become its own thing? What if we let it live? Will it turn on us? You know, that yeah. whole thing. And that's why I love, like, I've heard it before and seen the scene a ton of times, just watching that scene alone. But at the end, Roy Batty's, you know, um, all these moments speech. Yeah. That just is one of those things that rang true to where it's almost like he's almost the heroic part of that end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's actually out there for a positive goal he's like he just wants to live mm-hmm. and just that thing of being like like i said what is the more human he's like i've seen things you can't imagine and just kind of putting himself for that moment above humanity mm. so i'd i don't know i really liked that part of it it was a very interesting watch through this time seeing it as not seeing deckard as the hero of the yeah. movie. In it's a like lot of ways. the only thing I had really heard about that movie was the whole implication that he oh, might is be he a replicant, a replicant, which so I never. I was kind of watching for this, like you know, since I've heard so many people talk about it, mm-hmm. and I knew that that was a thing. Like, is he or isn't he? Right. So, like as I'm watching, I'm sitting there trying to put pieces together to kind of figure it out, and I guess it's just at the end of the movie, it's kind of like left for your own interpretation. Yeah. And that's another thing. That's one of those things that the director's cut kind of brought back in. Um, the theatrical cut, that's really not a question. Oh, really? Yeah, because the theatrical cut does not have the unicorn scene. Hmm. Because the unicorn scene is pretty much the one that's all about... Like, that's what brings up the is Deckard a replicant argument. Uh-huh. Because he daydreams the unicorn, and then at the end of the movie, Edward James almost has left him the unicorn. Yeah, so it's kind of like he knows. Yeah. I got you. So that wasn't really a part. And to me, even then, it's not really laid out. Like, I never saw this huge. The first time I saw the movie, I was never looking at it as, oh, is he a replicant? Is he not? Like, Mm -hmm. I never got that. Right. That's a big part of the book. Really? Because in the book, at one point, he tries to go back to his office and nobody knows him. It's completely staffed with all these other people. And they think he's a replicant. So he has this kind of moment to where he's trying to figure out like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like so much so that they even put the, like they do the Voight comp test to him. 
But in the book, he passes it so they know mm. he is a human. But then it kind of become this thing in the movie, which is really interesting in the movie, or the stuff afterwards, because Ridley Scott swears up and down, Deckard's a replicant. Really? Harrison Ford says he's not. Like, so much so, when Ridley Scott came out and said, no, Deckard's a replicant, Harrison Ford, like, got mad. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Hadn't heard that. So, that's, that's an interesting thing. And I like that they move that over into the new one mm-hmm. and still kind of did the same thing. Like if you win, if you're looking about going into this movie thinking, I'm finally going to find out if yeah. it's a replicant <laughs> or not. No, you aren't. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like they just were able to be like, well, whatever you believe from the last movie, it is. It carries, carries over. over. So, yeah. The, that, cool. that reveal is kind of done in a very much a read into this. However you want it. Yeah. Kind of way. And I like that. I was actually really afraid that they were going to put a definitive stance on, whether he was a replicant or mm. not. And I'm glad they didn't do that. So, um, going into the new movie then. Uh, Thoughts on the new movie? I liked it. I really did. Mm-hmm. I liked that movie. Um, long it was as a little all long. hell. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, it could have... It could have. Somebody could have got a little uh, generous with the scissors. Yeah. I can tell you right now, if you like watching Ryan Gosling walk very slowly two places... <laughs> This is the movie for you. There's so many shots behind Ryan Gosling of him in silhouette walking somewhere. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I swear if they just made that a little quicker, you could probably cut 10 minutes Dude, out of Dude, the movie. movie starts like that. Yeah. First, it's the, one, it's the reverse shot from the car. He gets mm-hmm. out of the car and it's the reverse shot of him walking. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So yeah, definitely long. It's like two hours and forty three minutes or something. Like yeah. that. It's a long movie. It really was, but and my problem was I felt every bit of it. Like that last hour, mm-hmm. I was like kind of waiting on it to wrap up. Yeah, well, it's like hell. It goes a while before you even see Harrison Ford. Yeah, so much so that honestly, I, I feel th- like it was pushing at least an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes. It would minutes. shock me. I think because of that, especially because of how long they took and the way they brought him in. I think they should have left him out of the advertising. Yeah. I mean, you really could have. I know um, Batista was on uh, Talk to Jericho. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot Batista was in the movie. And then, like, after I see him, I start remembering he, he actually was on Talk to Jericho. And he was talking about, you know, he didn't have any scenes with Harrison Ford. Right. He only got to meet him for, like, five minutes on set. I understand why. Yeah. Especially, you know, not to give anything away with him, but... He doesn't have a lot of screen time. Right. <laughs> I was like, Harrison kind of has eh, decent screen time. Yeah. Which, then you said that there was a short with yeah, Batista, right? they did three short movies before this. One is about a 22-minute animated movie, which is where they keep talking about the blackout. Mm-hmm. That's that story. Okay. Like, what caused the blackout. And then there's two, about five or six-minute long stories. One is about Batista, so he gets... Five minutes of his own movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is about Jared Leto kind of taking control of the replicant market. So, but yeah, those were pretty neat additions. But yeah, one of them's completely all about Batista. So if you liked him in this movie, you get to see him a little bit more. Maybe it'll be included in the final cut of this six hour <laughs> long movie that we're eventually going to get. Oh, I'm certain they end up on the Blu ray of this one. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully the movie is just the movie. I can't deal with, you know, 10 years of different cuts of this movie. Yeah, I think that's... Well, good grief. 
I think we're just in a different filmmaking place now. Mm. And I can't imagine that there's more to this. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm hoping you're not going to get like four different cuts of the movie and which one do you watch? Like, hopefully it just comes out and that's it. And they said, but I think the director has said like, no, this is his cut. Okay. Like well, he's, good. he's good with it. This is what he wanted. So it wasn't really Scott this time. Right. No, it was the director of arrival. It's like Dennis Villeneuve. Oh, okay. I actually like that movie. I did too. That was one of those, like we knew nothing about it going into it. Yeah. And just saw it. One thing I really liked is I knew nothing of the plot of this movie. Yeah, same here. Going into it. Like, they did a really good job of keeping the plot to this movie under wraps. Mm. So, we're not going to talk a lot about the plot of this movie. And it's a really kind of neat detective story. There's a plot that you have, or, you know, a mystery that Ryan Gosling has to uncover. Mm. And, you know, it has a good couple twists and turns in the way. And... You know, I remember when we compared um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to the first one. We mm-hmm. said it was a good companion piece. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what this is. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like it builds off that world, and it kind of does what the first movie did a little bit better. In a lot of ways, And yeah. like once he starts on that detective trail, it's like he just starts pulling this string mm-hmm. very slowly that leads you back to the first movie. Yeah. So I like that. I thought that was really cool. Oh, uh, there's, like I said, this is... There's a great uh, companion piece is the best way to put it. Mm. Like this one goes right beside Blade Runner as far as in every way. Like it's that good detective story like the first one was, and I actually think that the story to this one is more interesting than the I did story too. I did. Runner. I mean, I I do like this better. This one better than the first one. Mm-hmm. So um, it was an absolutely beautiful movie. Again, it expanded on yeah. what came before, just made it look cooler. It exp- Yeah, I mean, expanded is a lot of ways. It's like, you get those really, like, even though everything looks cool, Blade Runner is very claustrophobic. Yeah. You're in these very tight alleys, and there's tons of people around him all the times. And, like, this one expands it. Mm-hmm. You get to see areas outside of just, like, Los Angeles, and you get to see these big expanses, like, oh, that shot where he's coming back in to Los Angeles from the first, like in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Uh And you're just seeing like, you can kind of see down into the cracks of this world Uh and tell that, no, that's the part where we saw Blade Runner. The last movie is down in the cracks of this gigantic world. Mm Kind of reminds me of, and I guess again, it's like one of those things that influenced another director, but you know, George Lucas saw Blade Runner as like, I want to make Coruscant this. It actually was like, well, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Similar, look cool. Uh, just the set dressing to it, the cinematography, like those beautiful, like there's so many shots that I could just take of that movie and make a poster mm-hmm. or a wallpaper yeah. or something like that. Like, you know, and even those, we talk about it a lot, but those silhouette shots, so much of it, this is a really dark, as in lighting wise, dark movie. Mm-hmm. And they did a lot with the lighting to where, like even that scene with Jared Leto and uh, Harrison Ford where, it's almost all just edge lighting. Yeah. And just the way they kind of play with that and the colors and all this different stuff. Like, uh, it's just, uh, it's just such a beautiful movie. I liked, uh, speaking of, I liked Jared, Jared Leto in that. He was, mm-hmm. <laughs> does he just kind of play like a weirdo <laughs> nowadays? <laughs> and I think it's kind of what he's done most of his career. That's but true. Yeah, no, he was really good. And I think that you'll have to look up that short film 
the companion to this one because he's that was the first time I watched that and I was like dude he's gonna be creepy as all hell in this movie mm-hmm. like just that kind of like broken emotionless uh, kind of like a godlike complex yeah and like he doesn't really get riled at all he's got that weird way of speaking that cadence that's very interesting like yeah i really liked him (laughs) everything about the joker just backwards (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) didn't get hit in the face by batman and lose all his teeth this time (laughs) (laughs) no just his eyes yeah okay well speaking of um this short you're talking about Mm -hmm. does he have his eyes no he's blind in it okay which I was kind of cool, the technology that they did so he could see. Yeah, like the little floating that sounded like Predators. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, you're right. They kind of had that little like clicking Predator <laughs> sound. Yeah, I mean, I just... Just some of the stuff in the movie like was so cool. Like, just some of the technology and stuff. Like, I liked his uh, virtual girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... Well, it's kind of like what we said, you know, with uh, the analog technology from mm-hmm. the old movie. You know, them building off of that. Yeah. It's like you can just see, like, everything. Like, that would be, like, you know, a projector. Yeah. To to an extent, basically, is what I'm and trying to say. it even takes the expansion of our technology now. Like, that's Siri. Yeah. You know, in 10 years, Siri's going to be a hologram that actually is in your house doing stuff for you. Because, like, what was it, the first one was 2019? Yeah. So... Another movie that's lied to us. <laughs> Back to the Future told us we're supposed to have flying cars by now. Yeah. <laughs> and so did Blade Runner. So. <laughs> Somebody better get me a flying car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That being said, the last two days of road, road rage that we've experienced, it might not be a good idea to be <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> well, hey, I thought it was very funny. Um, some of the jokes we were cracking at the movie a little bit. Um, <laughs> there's a scene, like, what I meant, you know... J- um, Ryan Gosling's K, his character's name is K. His girlfriend essentially is just this holographic projection that is hooked up to a projector in his house, and he eventually buys a little gimmick to where she he can have her not just in his house, but she wants him to experience her, you know, in real life basically. Mm-hmm. So she hires a prostitute and then like <laughs> imprints herself over top of the prostitute so that it looks like her but there's a physical form yet it's like they don't sync up and stuff like that and i right. just looked over at rob and i was like fucking lag <laughs> and then i instantly come back like does this technically count as a three-way <laughs> <laughs> but that whole thing like the relationship that you know he seemed to have mm-hmm. with the ai that reminded me so much of master chief and cortana I could see that. Because, you know, it's the whole, he always takes her with him right. anywhere he can on the missions and stuff like that. There comes a point where they have to separate for a while, mm. things like that. And, you know, he's real protective of her in gotcha. the games. So it's like they have that back and forth. And that whole relationship really reminded me of that. Oh, gotcha. I got uh, vibes of her, the Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett oh, okay. Johansson movie. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of that kind of in there as well. But well, I remember when that movie came out, people compared it to oh, really? the same thing. So I was like, that was, uh, that was interesting. And another thing I thought was very funny was when he goes, and you've seen the shots in the movie, like when he goes, I guess it's supposed to be Vegas mm. because of Elvis and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Frank Sinatra and stuff like that. But there's these giant sculptures of women. And you see the shot where it's like two women kind of facing each other. And you see Ryan Gosling in the distance walking between them. As you would. Because <laughs> he's got to yeah. walk. 
What giant ass porn statues are littering future Las Vegas? Like these are just like giant statues of naked women that are like faces just like in ecstasy. And then like the little bit that it pulls back and you see they're on like their hands and knees and on all fours and stuff like that. I'm like, what weird ass porn <laughs> Las Vegas is this? I mean, I've been to Vegas. No giant ass, you know, 30 foot tall or 30 story tall porn statues. <laughs> Regrettably. I think you were more impressed with what was behind the bar in that one scene. Oh, dude. <laughs> Which I feel like that would be you in a post-apocalyptic setting. Be like, I'm just going to hoard up with the most alcohol imaginable. I love that line. These guys like, we have, do you like whiskey? We have millions of bottles of whiskey. <laughs> He's still drinking Johnny Walker Black Label. <laughs> And I thought that was funny, too, because, you know, his dog's in the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, is the dog real? He's like, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? It's kind of a throwback to the snake in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's another thing, like, from the uh, book, the animals are a very big deal. Really? In the book. Um, in fact, the title of the book is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Are you serious? That's the book? Yeah. Okay, because I've heard people talk about that book all the time, mm-hmm. and I always get it confused with another book. I can't oh, remember gotcha. which one it is, but um, wow, I didn't didn't know that. And like the idea is that animals are basically extinct. There's been like a nuclear war. Animals, for the most part, are extinct. That's why whenever anytime they mention animals in the first in these movies, it's all about are they real? Like he asked Rachel if the <clears throat> owl's real. He asks if the snake's real, and she says, if I could afford a real snake, I wouldn't be working here. Yeah, he tells the dude he could buy a real horse. He could buy a real horse. Yeah. That's like uh, Wallace money, you know, there. And then when he asks the dog, he's like, is it real? That's because if you can't own a real animal in the book universe, like everybody needs to own an animal. It's kind of like a social status kind of thing. Hmm. And because they're, I mentioned they have a religion uh-huh. in that book it's all based on empathy like their entire religion is based on the idea of empathy okay so it's like you can't reach true empathy if you don't have an animal to care for in this book hmm. so one of the reasons that deckard is out hunting the robot the androids which in the book they're called androids or replicants is the just the movie mm. is he's trying he figures if he kills five androids that's five thousand extra dollars he can afford a real sheep because he has an android sheep mm. instead of a re- <clears throat> instead of a real thing, and it's like like I said, their status symbols. Having a android animal is lower on the status than an actual animal. Okay, so that's why anytime in these movies they mention animals, it's always are they real or not. Another thing that kind of reminded me of a video game was like. Just the whole replicant thing. Mm-hmm. Just reminded me of the sense from Fallout. In a lot of ways. Well, I mean... Like the whole creation, like the way that they were created and stuff like that. I, I think like, Fallout like, is one of those that would have taken a lot of inspiration yeah, that's what from Blade that's Runner. that's what I'm saying. Like, I could te- definitely see that, like, especially in Fallout 4 when they start showing you the creation process. Well, I'm thinking Nick. He's a Sam Spade detective that happens to be a robot. And I kind of want to dig through that because I, I bet you somewhere there's some kind of line of dialogue you can go to about electric animals. Or I guarantee you in Fallout 4 there's some kind of electric sheep quote. Probably. Especially just with so many references that that game already throws mm-hmm. in. And him just being the best character in video game history. Oh, absolutely. 
you know what? I want a. I need a team up between Nick Valentine and Nathan Drake, and <laughs> I'll just be good. You won't actually have to make any other video games because we will have won them at that moment. <laughs> Nick Valentine take or uh, Nick Valentine trying to babysit Nathan Drake and Laura Croft. He's like, you guys gotta stop killing people, man. <laughs> Are you aware you killed three hundred and thirty-seven people in the last five minutes? <laughs> That is one of those things I think. Like I always joke about my body count with Nathan Drake. Yeah. Um, Laura Croft was like, hold my beer. <laughs> and she did it with a bow. Yeah. It was like, not only am I going to kill these people, I'm going to make it way worse as far as like just grisly. <laughs> and then you get to the point in the game where you're like, you know what? Arrows aren't enough. Flaming arrows. Exploding arrows. Oh, you max it out. Napalm arrows. My favorite are the poison arrows from the second one. See, I haven't played that one yet. Really? I'm going to go right into it, though, because I finished the last... Or gotcha. We played the first one again, so... And that's when we talked a little bit about to jump out of Blade Runner real quick, but we have decided next year, when that movie comes out, we're going to rock a marathon with the Angelina Jolie movies and that one as well, so... <laughs> but if you like sci-fi, if you like Blade Runner... Definitely watch this movie. If mm. you're not a sci-fi person, this is probably going to be a hard pass. But yeah. you probably weren't watching the first one to get to the second one anyway. I've heard people compare, um, like I know there's different types of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Things like yeah, that. Yeah, like hard sci-fi. And- like I've always heard that this was compared more closely to Dune. Yeah, this is a very like, kind of what they call hard sci-fi. Yeah. Like, it gets real into the philosophy and stuff like that. And it is a lot. Like, it's one of those to where you got to pack a lunch to get into Dune. (laughs) And it's going to take you a while. And Dune was the first novel I read that had a glossary. So, Mm. it takes a while to get into that world and stuff like that. And Blade Runner, yeah. I think they go very well with each other. Kind of, yeah. That maybe reminded me a little bit of Fifth Element also. Just the look. But uh, that was more you know action adventure kind of sci-fi yeah so absolutely um i'm a fan of this movie like i'm probably gonna see it i'm definitely gonna grab it when it comes out on blu-ray mm-hmm. um i'm actually really hoping like i would part of me is really hoping that it gets the nice steel book and they do blade runner in one as well yeah because that's the only reason i haven't bought that on physical copy yet mm-hmm. is i hate that digi book it's in Oh, see, I got it back before that was the only version you can get. Oh, really? Like, I actually got it in the regular Amore case. Oh, okay. But, yeah. But that's another one. Not only does it have so many cuts, when they brought out the final cut for the first time, Uh it came out on, like, six different versions. Really? Like, you could buy just the final cut. Mm -hmm. You could buy the final cut as a two-disc with special features. You could buy the four-disc with all the different versions you could buy the suitcase or the briefcase um and it came out on both or it came out on dvd blu-ray and hd dvd oh wow (laughs) they were just making sure they got that movie no no literally like they they had a version for any taste of blade runner that you wanted well i know up until like last month the uh physical copy was out of print yeah and well they put the digital back up too and i was just I was like, you know, it's going to be forever before I find a physical. I'm just going to buy digitally and watch this. I think I looked up, like, because I didn't get it. I wish I'd have got it back when you could get the two-disc and a lot of that stuff when it first came out. I ended up, they brought it back out a few years ago on a single-disc Blu-ray. 
Walmart had it for 10 bucks, and I grabbed it then. Mm. And I wish that I'd have gotten one of the better versions with like the extra features put on it and stuff yeah. like that. But I've still got the second disc of the DVD, so mm. yeah, that's not too yeah. bad. Maybe, yeah, like you said, maybe we'll because I know it came out what last month as a 4K transfer, yeah. So you may get a steel book for it when I'd say you're right, I'd say it'll probably happen. But definitely check it out if you're into it, if you like sci fi, if you like movies where people walk. <laughs> yeah. You know, check it out. So, anything else you got for us before we head out the door? No, I think that's it for this episode. All right. So, we will join you again next time for this episode. I've been Shane. I've been Robbie. And we will see you at the movies. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears. Do not know why you're banging the machinery is heck of podcast, not the episode of Home Improvement. It's bullshit. Anyways, this is Boris Petrov, and I'd like to thank you for your continued support of myself through listening to transmissions into Real Talk with Robert and Shanathan. Speaking of which, have you ever seen the Blade Runner movie? It's amazing. It's five stars. It's epic, and it has Harrison Ford. I have the first ever copy sent to video store in the greatest city in the world which is Moscow. I do not understand why these two goons are reviewing it. They have the plot completely wrong. For a $20 money order, I'll send you a personalized copy of my copy of Blade Runner. It's better because my copy doesn't have numbers after the title. What the hell does 2049 even mean? That's not even the code. Thanks again for your support. And continue to listen to Robert and Shanathan, because that way they listen to me. Hey, stop the damn bangings, man. It's bullshit.